Uh, one of the things that we, we talk about a lot at Crossroads is the one church of Grand Rapids, that we're, we, we're just an itty-bitty part of this one church that God has established and is building in the city of Grand Rapids. And we want our Sunday mornings from time to time to be an expression, a participation in the one church of Grand Rapids. Because even our Sunday mornings are really nothing more than a dress rehearsal for Revelation chapter 5 when every tribe, every people group, every language will be gathered around the throne one day worshiping worthy as a lamb, worthy as a lamb. And so this just gets to be a dress rehearsal for that and also something that as we go out into our sphere of influence that we don't do it alone but we we know we're part of something that's even so much bigger than our little church here there's something massive going on in Grand Rapids the kingdom of heaven is being unleashed and uh, today I have a uh, just a dear friend and a brother and a partner in the gospel. Uh, this brother, uh, Dennis McMurray, doctor, and his wife, doctor, uh, started a church called Renaissance, Church of God Church. The two of them have been leading this church. Uh, we have one of the greatest and most respected leaders and pastors in the city of Grand Rapids. Would you please welcome Bishop McMurray to Crossroads. Come on. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you all this morning and to know that God has given each and every one of us the gift of life. I know I'm excited about it. How about you this morning? Can we give God praise for the gift of life this morning? Now, in our home church, which we have not convened physically since March 15th, I would, I would say at that point, uh, that hand clap uh, was for me. That wasn't for God. So I want you all to give God the best praise that you've given him all day today. Come on. Let's give it to him. Yeah, that's better. Let us pray. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for everything this morning. We thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing grace. We thank you for your love, for your divine protection, and again, for the gift of life that you've given to each and every one of us. I pray your blessings on our time together. I pray that you would give me what to say and how to say it. Then, dear God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear it. And then, God, give us courage to process that that you will give us. Let my words be acceptable in your sight. Let it be an encouragement and a blessing to someone. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. I'm so happy and elated to be here today. I'm going to just make myself at home. Can I? Can I make myself at home? 
Well, I felt at home anyway because when we drove up, there's a basketball hoop that I'm parked underneath. And inside of our church, as we walk down this corridor to head into the sanctuary, we've got a couple of Gus Macker basketball hoops. And I always shoot a hoop with my uh, security chief. And so I didn't have a ball this morning to shoot a hoop, but I was happy to see the hoop. And then we have windows just like this at the backdrop of our church. So uh, not having been in church since the uh, 15th of March, I feel really, really at home today. So I'm going to grab this over here because I just need a little podium or something to put my notes on. Oh, maybe I sing this song too. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll sing this song a little bit too. Is this all right, Pastor Rod? I like to say that uh, my wife of uh, 61 years is with me this, this morning. Um, I would have my wife, Jean, to stand. This is my wife, Jean, of 61 years. And I know you guys are like, what is this guy talking about? Well, I was born September 8, 1959, and God knew when I made my entry point into the world that this would be my bride. But we made it official 34 years ago, and so uh, that's my explanation with that. And so uh, everybody can breathe a little better, or I uh, could have said I've got some elixir for sale for the Fountain of Youth. And Pastor Rod, we would have made a killing this morning, right? Yes. Well, I had the chance, the opportunity to meet uh, Pastor Rob and Pastor uh, Steve and their wonderful wives. We traveled to Turkey together, and that was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, we got to know each other uh, as they watched my wife and I huff and puff going up. Uh, I thought it would be mountains, uh, you know, the hike would be like this, but we quickly found out that the hike was like that. But the Holy Spirit anointed us, and we've formed a bond and a friendship. Uh, and I'm so grateful and thankful for that. Can you all give your pastors a great God bless you this morning? Let's, let's appreciate this month is Pastoral Appreciation Month. Come on, let's let them know we appreciate them meeting us and protecting us from the wolves of this world. That's it. Let's stand up. Let's let them know. Come on, guys, let us, we appreciate you, man, for protecting us from the wolves. Thank you so much, so much. Uh, well, I have a couple, I am going to preach without my mask, so I want you all to know that. But this pandemic is, is, um, is very unique, and, uh, and thank you all for whoever is wearing your mask and who not. But uh, the pandemic is very unique. It has taken the lives of some people that are very close to me. Um, and as you all know, may or may not know, it affects the African-American culture just a little differently because of pre-existing conditions. And so we have to be extra careful and extra safe. And uh, uh, we're covered in prayer this morning. And we pray that you are covered in prayer this morning just like the Old Testament, covered in the blood, amen? We're covered in the blood this morning, and uh, I'm just so thankful, again, to be here with you 
And uh, traveling with us, well, not traveling, just with us today is one of uh, the men from our minister staff, uh, Reverend, Reverend Wright and his wife, Vivian, they're with us. They wanted to come and be a part of the worship service today, and I'm thankful that they're with us as well. One more preliminary thing to do uh, before uh, I take off the final mask. And I need a moment of, uh, moment of prayer, if you would. Got to get all these things beamed up here. You come pretty close, uh, Pastor Rod, to the soul, Brother Color. I like that. <laughs> if you would point your fingers east and pray with me because we're going to need a miracle. And uh, based on the performance on Saturday, if you can get a prayer through, please pray for us. <laughs> please pray for us. Well... I just want to talk just for a few moments this morning. Uh, Pastor gave me the leeway to preach as, um, as the Lord led me. And this sermon actually began in Turkey. And I didn't think that uh, it would come full circle like this. And uh, when he gave me the call, um, this, this jumped in my spirit immediately. And I wanted to share this with you all. So I pray you will indulge me, indulge with me for the next few fleeting moments as we see what scripture has to say about where we're at in life right now. As we look at scripture, that's the foundation of everything that we do. And as we take a close look at scripture, we can see that our world is at a turning point. When we look at the theological and the prophetic landscapes unfolding before our very eyes. The book of Timothy is talking strong. The gospels are talking strong. Revelations talking strong. The Old Testament and the New Testament texts, they're talking very strong to us to let us know that we're at a very critical point in the evolution of this place called earth. And I believe in my heart, Crossroads, that God is inviting the church and its leadership into an intentional season. Pastor Rod talked about it in his early comments. And I believe God has an agenda that we must follow, an agenda that he's looking for people who are listening and ready to tap into. It's unusual, though. It's different. It's uncomfortable. It's Holy Spirit-inspired. Watch this next one. It's a place of discernment and accuracy. If we ever need to be discerning and accurate with what God is calling for, that time is now. We're in the midst of what I call a kingdom agenda. Most people go through life telling God what I'd like you to do for me. But in this season, God has a specific agenda 
where he's looking for men and women who will listen to him, follow him, and do what he's charging them to do. I call it the divine will of God. The divine will of God is when God gives attention to a matter himself. And he takes it upon himself to not pass it on to a middleman or pass it on here or pass it on there. But God literally orchestrates and makes sure that everything happens the way that it happens. I know some of you are wondering, is this guy going to read a scripture? Yes, I am. And our scripture text for this morning is from the book of St. John. And it's what I call one of the classics of scripture. St. John, the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 11. And I'll read the following words. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Verse 8 says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, there is a lad here which hath Five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? The interesting thing I like about John's writing is he, in this particular book, he's writing to both Jews and Gentiles. And he recognizes through the leading of the Holy Spirit that there's an inner burning on the inside of them that there is a call from the master that won't allow them to sleep. They won't accept the status quo. There's a burning down on the inside of them that John writes about, and John is saying that I'm here to tell you I identify with that burning, and God is in tune with that burning because God has placed that burning down in you to be different, to tap into the kingdom agenda. And I sense this morning amongst you all that there's a burning to make a difference. There's a desire to make a difference. And so John's text this morning, I believe, is going to speak to us. I'm almost finished. I'm not a two-hour preacher, so you don't have to worry. <clears throat> Something unique about this passage of Scripture that I saw, Pastor Rod. Most people look at this biblical account as a miracle of provision. Jesus took the two fish, 
five loaves and multiplied it to where theologians say close to 20,000 people were fed, were, were fed. And then there were 12 baskets full left over. And, and boy, you can have a good time with that, talking about he, he is a God of provision. But this morning, I feel a little different. This miracle that I'm going to talk about this morning is what I call a miracle of evangelism. Can you say with me, the miracle of evangelism? Now, most people, when you preach, you have a sermon title, correct? I knew you were waiting for that, too. So my sermon title this morning for you is Crossroads. Crossroads. Roads. Have you heard of that word before? Crossroads. Crossroads, I'm sure you've heard many definitions, but here's mine. It's probably similar. A point in life where society faces uncertainty and challenge. A time when humanity must make individual decisions that will have significant impact upon quality of life and daily living. I'll read that again, crossroads. A point in life where society faces uncertainty and challenge. A time when humanity must make individual decisions that have significant impact upon quality of life and daily living. This particular Bible story takes place in the desert hill country outside of Bethesda. And Bethesda means place of mercy and compassion. I can't think of a better, per, better, a better place where compassion and mercy takes place than in the church. And spending time with your pastors in Turkey I know that the spirit of the leader trickles down to the spirit of the people. And I just got a feeling that this is a place of mercy and compassion. Do I have the right church? Am I in the right church? Are you all people of compassion and mercy? Now, in Renaissance, they would say, amen, amen, amen. So I, deput I deputize you all like uh, Andy deputized Barney with one bullet. Well, I'm going to give you three amens. So each one of you are deputized with three amens, all right? And so when something hits you that feels pretty good, you can say, amen, amen. So I'll try it again. Is this a place of mercy and compassion? Amen. All right, you got two left. <laughs> you get four. I like that one. <laughs> the interesting point I like about this is Jesus was traveling through Galilee. And he was performing all kind of miracles. He was changing the course of life for people that had given up on life. The blind saw. The lame walked. I mean, it was just tremendous. And I suggest to you this morning that God calls for miracles 
when we're challenged spiritually in our society, <clears throat> institutionally, personally, socially, when economic conditions are so challenged, and I say to you today that our city is challenged. Because we only hear about the things that are reportable. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that happen <clears throat> in our world right now, in our city right now, that never makes it to 13, 8, or 17. There's the obvious, and then there is the covert. Racism. No need to pretend. Hatred. No need to pretend. Despair. It's right out in front of us. Some is obvious. You can judge it by what you see. But most of it is not obvious. Because in America, we've learned how to cover up. We've learned how to fix up, comb our hair or cut it off to make it look like we're together and we're strong. But you all, people are hurting. And I've come this morning to tell you that this is the finest hour for the church. I'll say that again. This is the finest hour for the church to walk out the witness and the mission of the kingdom of God and let people know that Jesus is the answer for the world. It is our finest hour. Our very finest hour to show people the God that we sing about to introduce people to the Jesus who saved us. And can I take a survey? Is there anyone in here this morning that Jesus saved you? If he saved you, give him about seven seconds worth of praise because you know if he can save you, he can save anybody. And he says, Philip, where can we get food to feed all of these people? Because the other gospel accounts say, as Jesus looked at the people, they were coming, coming because they were getting something from Jesus that they could get from no one else. And he was healing and he was setting free and he was delivering. And they just kept coming and coming and coming until he said, guys, we got to take a break. We got to steal away. They're draining everything out of me. And as, they were, and as they were coming, Jesus was like, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They have no direction. They have, they have no motivation. They're hurting 
they're bruised. They don't know where they're going, and I represent hope, but I can't do it all myself. We've got to get away, y'all. You know people today. Your neighbors are hurting. Your co-workers are hurting. Your family members are hurting. People are hurting. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Something about a sheep. He doesn't know where to go or what to do. One of our final moments while we were in Turkey, I don't remember this one hill. Like I said, the one mountain was like this. But then this one particular mountain, it was like this. <laughs> and my wife and I looked at each other and we hugged at each other. And I said, baby soul brothers, don't, don't climb that steep. <laughs> And that high, and she looked at me and she said, Soul sisters don't either. And so we let Rob and Steve and their wives go up that way, and we sat on the side of a hill. And we had lunch. Where was that, honey? It's in Sardis. It's in Sardis, yeah. Sardis was something else, y'all. <laughs> and as I sat there taking in all of the beauty, I saw this these two big, intimidating white shepherd dogs charging. I said, oh, my God, maybe we should have. (laughs) But they were leading the sheep. And so here comes this, I guess you call it a herd, a herd of sheep. And they're running towards us. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're getting ready to get trampled by, ate up by the dogs and trampled by the sheep if there's anything left. Oh, boy. And then here comes this Middle Eastern shepherd, and I'll never forget it. He says nothing, but he takes his staff. You guys were on the mountain peak. And he just starts twirling it, and it's making this noise. And at the first rotation, the sheep stop, and they listen. Then this shepherd gains momentum as he twirls it, and he throws it in the air, and it lands without a word, he says. And the sheep know that that's where the shepherd wants us to be. Then they run and they graze and they graze. Now they're thirsty. I'm, I'm, this, I'm taking this all in. And then so there's a, there's a stream, there's a river to the west. And so they're taking off because all they've got in their mind, I was hungry, but he led me to food. Now I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get me something to drink. And they take off. And then the shepherd takes his staff again and and says nothing, but he throws it beyond where they were running because if they would have run the way that they were going to go get the thirst satisfied, they would have dropped off a cliff and they would have all died. But where the shepherd's staff landed, it was just a little, probably less than this step right here. And they just all stepped down, and next thing you know, they were all drinking water. I'm saying to you today, 
regardless of what conditions people are in, we are the sheep of his pasture. Regardless of whether we are in Christ or not, we are still the sheep of his pasture. And the harvest, the harvest of God's people on the earth, even though they may not be living according to God's will, God is still divinely protecting them and showing them where to go so that they won't be destroyed, showing them how to get there. It's called grace, my brothers. It's called mercy, my sisters. Grace and mercy is protecting God's most precious investment. I've got to let you know something. God has a harvest that he has never reaped. He gave his son, but he's never got a return on that investment. Because the only way he gets a return on that investment, just like sowing and reaping in the church, if you sow in the church, when you reap, you can put something in your person, in your pocket, and embrace it and says, I've got a return on my investment. But God has never gotten a return on his investment because the only way he gets a return on the investment is when he welcomes us into heaven and says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. But no one has been welcomed into that space yet. So God has to painstakingly make sure that the devil does not destroy the harvest. Those who look like they're on their way to hell, they're really not hell bound they're just waiting for you to bring some heaven to them so that they can escape hell they're waiting they're at a crossroads of life and they're waiting for you to extend a hand waiting for you to give them a shoulder to lean on waiting for us to say a word of encouragement to them it is our finest hour and as I move toward my conclusion I want to challenge you because Philip was in the right place, but he was not in tune with Jesus. Jesus said, where can we get some food to satisfy them? Philip said, we don't have enough money. Did Jesus ask Philip? How much it cost? No, he did not. But Philip, in his carnal thinking, automatically said, and he looked at the 20,000 converts, potential converts in front of him, and he automatically shifted into the economic, automatically said, how much is this going to cost? Jesus, we don't have enough money. He was in place. But he was not in tune. He looked at the cost of ministry and not the call of ministry. Are you focused on what it's going to cost you? Maybe not economically, maybe a little time, maybe a little effort, maybe working a little harder in the church. I don't know. We as human beings, we have a tendency to look at what it's going to cost before we commit. Then there was Andrew. 
Jesus said, guys, we got, to, we got an opportunity in front of us here. I need you guys to go find and see what you see out there. So Andrew went looking, and his report was, all I found <coughs> was this little boy, two fish, five loaves of bread, two dry pieces of fish, and just five barley loaves. And when he took a closer look at the barley loaves, it's called slave's bread. It wasn't even quality wheat. That bread is made from the wheat stalks, the wheat leaves, all of the impurities of the wheat, picks up some dirt, picks up some weed, and they grab it, not that other kind. <laughs> I thought I should make that clear since it has been approved and dispensaries are all over. Not that kind. <laughs> and they ground it up and it was only fit to feed animals, the donkeys and the horses. And, and so right away, Andrew said, this is worth nothing. He said, we can't do nothing with this. Jesus was making sure and was sending a message because they had already seen all the miracles that he had worked. And seeing those miracles, they should have been in tune that if Jesus says something, he must be up to something. Crossroads, if Jesus through your pastor is saying something, then the kingdom of God must be up to something. Let's not analyze it. Let's not try to figure it out. If they say, let's go get them and let's bring them to Jesus, we better get busy trying to figure out how to bring them to Jesus because God will make a way out of no way. He'll make sense out of the things that are foolish but will we miss it? <clears throat> will we be like Philip said, what is it going to cost me? Will we be like Andrew and say, all I found, and what is this? Jesus said, just give me what you got. So significant until the Bible doesn't even tell us this little boy's name. He just looks at the little boy and he said, just give me what you got. Because man may say it's not worth anything, but when I put my hand on it, it becomes a miracle. Crossroads, I say to you this morning, the message from, from Jesus to each one of you, give me what you got. Place you in my hands and watch me go to work. You may not be the best of this. You may not have this pedigree. You may not have this background. You may not be a good public speaker. The list can go on with the mistakes that, with the excuses that we could make. Will you miss, hey, God moment 
Because the scriptures are full of God moments because Moses said, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I have a stuttering problem. And God said, don't worry about that. I'll be your mouth. I'll, I will deliver you from what's been bothering you all of your life. My brothers and sisters, this just may be the season for you to be set free by what's been bothering you all of your life. One thing I know about people, we all carry issues and we learn how to hide the big issues better than we do the common issues. But maybe God is up to something in this season of your life so that he can set you free because those who the Son sets free, you will be free indeed. Just give him. Just give him what you got. This lad, I don't know his name, but I know his story. I know that Jesus took those fish and that bread and he multiplied it. And approximately 20,000 people were satisfied. And the crazy thing I like about it, they were in the Bethesda desert, but when it was time for them to sit down and get blessed, here comes all this green, beautiful grass in the desert for them to sit down on. You don't have green, beautiful grass in a desert to sit down. But when Jesus is ready to change the lives of people that have been broken and that have been battered and that have been disappointed in life, he makes the atmosphere comfortable so that they can come to know that he is Jesus, so that they will have a testimony to say, can't nobody do you like Jesus can. He picked me up and he turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I can't believe that I'm in the presence of Jesus. And it all started with this nameless boy saying to Jesus, take what I have. There's a reason I call this crossroads because a crossroad, singular, means you're in a specific place. But crossroads, plural, means that you've interacted with people all over your community and your city. And they won't come to this Scribner Avenue location to have an undeniable experience with Christ. But their crossroad will be in your presence. Their crossroad will be in your presence. Their crossroad will be in your presence. Each one of you, if there's nothing else in life you know, you know that God is a good God. Each one of you, you may not know theology. You might not know hermeneutics and all those fancy theological terms, but one thing I believe you do know, I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Do I have a witness that knows something about the Lord Jesus Christ turning your life around? So I close today. I didn't come to impress you with rhetoric. I come to touch your heart and to say to you, 
I know the mission, and, and I've never talked to the pastors about the mission of this church. But I know the mission of this church is to impact humanity so the kingdom of God grows on earth. So that the kingdom of God is full when we get to heaven. And you can use just what you have. It's not an, am I going too long? It's because you didn't give me a time. I'm okay, okay, I'm almost finished. You don't need to be a polished speaker, a great singer. You don't need any special, any special gifts. You don't need a special calling. You don't need a special education. All you need is two fish, five loaves of bread. All you need is what you have for the moment and just lay it in his hands. And that little nameless boy, he's known throughout the ages. Every Sunday school class talks about the little boy and his lunch. Every theologian knows about the little boy and his lunch. Every atheist knows about the little boy and his lunch. Every judge knows about it. Everybody in society knows about the little boy and his lunch simply because he had the courage to lay it at the master's feet. Are you ready? Take what God has blessed you with and lay it at the master's feet. None of us are perfect, but I'm let you in on something. We are preferred by God. And as long as God prefers me, I don't care what you think about me. I know I may not be all that I'm supposed to be. But thank God we're not what we used to be. Anybody glad you're not what you used to be? <laughs> So, Pastor Rod, if I could have five more minutes, all of you that are ready to take what you have and give it to Jesus and make a difference, stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. And as a sign of submission, lift your hands to God in front of you. Praise team, I just want you all to enjoy this moment too. I'm okay. If I got to sing, I'll sing something. <laughs>
this is not a time for singing. This is a time for connecting. This is a point of connectivity. God wants to take your fish and your bread and bless the masses. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters whose hands are extended toward you as a sign of submission and to also say, pick me up, Jesus, as a baby extends its hands and say, pick me up, mom or dad. Our hands are extended to say, pick us up. Pick us up out of our life issues and circumstances and bring value to who we are. I'm not going to pray for the next 10 seconds, but I want you to think on where God has bought you from in life. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Say that with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I know I have not been perfect, but I know now that I'm preferred by you. Take my life. Use my gifts. I give you my two fish and my five loaves. Make a difference in the world that I'm connected to. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.